0: I've never been to Nashville, Tennessee. Have you been to Nashville, I Tennessee? I have.
1: I have. I told you about the brisket butter, right?
0: No. Okay. What?
1: So. Last time I was in Nashville, I think it was, like, 2014 or maybe 2015. I think it was 2015, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to this restaurant, and we're going there again, so get ready.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's called City House, and it's kind of this, like, new Italian who's-a-what's-its, and they have, like, this incredible pizza with, like, peaches and on it and whatever. <laughs> but so the, the best dish yeah. we had all night... Was this pasta dish with a like brisket ragu? But what mm-hmm. they did is they took the butter from the brisket and they essentially like whipped it, so like turned it into butter that they, they like reintroduced back into the dish, and like cle- like I had this four <laughs> and time years you're ago
0: reintroducing the butter the back but- <laughs> into the dish, the, <laughs> the fat
1: <laughs> butter. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. it's been four years since I've had this particular dish, and I've only had it once. Um, and I'm not gonna lie if we were not going to be like if this if this award ceremony and this conference was not in Nashville um i might not have been enthusiastic to get us to come like yeah, it's it's mostly so Nashville that we can go to that restaurant
0: yeah i mean so to fill in the context here, uh, Laura and I are going this week to uh, the Digital Book World Conference. Um, we're very excited because, as I think we've mentioned, we are up for an award. Um, best use of podcasting and publishing. We are nominated among several other worthy candidates. Um, we are, of course, crossing our fingers, all of that. But it does mean we get to go to Nashville for a little bit. We're going <laughs> to hang out. I've got a client there. I'm going to see. You know, It's going to be a whole thing. We're um, like three blocks from Hattie yeah.
1: Bee's chicken. <laughs>
0: um yeah. it's gonna be good um did you
1: know that nashville is like the bra or like the uh, bridal shower or not the bridal shower like the bachelorette party yeah. center of the world i'm
0: picturing like basically my vision of nashville is it's those full giant, of woo girls it's got a lot of woo girls there i yeah. imagine um full. it's it's like those big what are those called the big pedally but, pedal you pubs know I'm talking about yeah that's what. where it's just like this giant like trolley and everyone <laughs> sits around and pedals and drinks and do there's you, like that's you, what i pictured do you nashville know being. like heinous? it's just like rush hour traffic entirely of trolleys <laughs> and they're all going to like this chicken place like you, that's nashville in my do head do you
1: want to you want to know something heinous Yeah. those pedal pubs uh-huh. do not supply booze for you you have to bring, you you have to booze bring onto your, your onto own so you're like paying a ton of money yeah. to do exercise in public mhm like very obnoxious exercise in uh-huh. public with beer that you brought yourself. Have you
0: been on a pedal pub? I what? have so- not. Oh, I was gonna say you sound like you're speaking. I for was experience into
1: it. the idea because, like, I love, I love belling up to any bar uh-huh. in any way, shape, or form. Uh-huh. Um, but no, once I found out that you had to like bring your own, it was <laughs> it was game over. Never, <laughs> never will I sit my butt on oh, a seat of a pedal pub,
0: man. <laughs> well, anyway, so we're doing that. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, that's, welcome the folks. Yeah. So, well, welcome the folks. Welcome, we welcome the, folks. the folks. When it's time, Laura. Um, I'm
1: just excited. Know, I'm excited about the brisket butter. I'm. I just. I got all like, got all shivery.
0: Oh man. Well, anyway, welcome to this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane. With me, as always, you've heard her by now, is Laura Zatz. Say hello, Laura. Hello,
1: Laura.
0: Um. Yeah it's another it's kind of a fun episode actually we've got an announcement um don't worry the show is not going anywhere don't like freak out or anything like that we are still here or if you were hoping we were canceled um now would be a good time to freak out Uh, we are not canceled (laughs) but anyway it's going to be kind of a fun episode it's been a few weeks since we've been on the air obviously so we've got a little bit of a news rundown to go through um we've got a big announcement um that Probably, you know, if you follow us online, you know what it is already, and we're excited to talk more about it here. Um, But before any of that, how about the basic rundown?
1: Yeah. So, welcome. It is September, aka my birthday month. Hmm. Um, It's when things start getting witchy. And we're really excited to get you some special episodes to you this month. Because of Eric's fancy Iceland trip uh, last month, we did not have a third special episode, of flexisode, if you will. Um, so look forward to four special episodes on Patreon this month. In addition to our regular query and first pages critique shows, we will have um, two special episodes. So one will be about nonfiction book proposals. And then I just had a request for um, an episode about writers' conferences. Hmm. So we're going to do one on writers' conferences. So buckle up. If you don't have access to any of this and you're getting ready to query or you just kind of, like, want to know what's up with that, um, head on over to Patreon. And if you have any suggestions, questions, um, queries or first pages that you want us to critique or just, like, want to talk about, like, how nice Eric's pants are, send us an email. We're at Hmm. printrunpodcast at gmail.com.
0: Actually, do not have to email me about my pants. Please actually don't do that. So here's Uh, the thing.
1: I'm the one that (laughs) checks the email. So email me about how you like Eric's pants. um, I enjoy that.
0: Anyway. Mm, Anyway. So um, one thing that happens when we go off the air for as long as we have. It's been like I think we missed a couple weeks. I was traveling. We were busy. It's been nuts at the end of summer for reasons we are going to get into on this episode. But everything happens. One thing that happens when we do that is, well, a lot of publishing stories break. A lot of different things kind of happen. A lot of, and more importantly, what that ends up meaning is that people start adding us, Um, (laughs) which again, highly encouraged. We're the one account that we want everything you're seeing. You know, please send it our way so we can get mad at it with you. Mostly, Um, the big thing I was mad at this week was Joyce Carol Oates posted a picture of her keyboard. Did you see that? Oh,
1: it was disgusting. It was
0: nasty. Joyce. What was that about? She like, has
1: enough money to like, like buy a different It's like she's posting keyboard.
0: so strongly that it's melting like the H key <laughs> on it. <laughs> anyway, it was like that...
1: weird and bubbled. I don't know, like... there, are,
0: there are like real stories that we're going to get into here. But like that was the one. Her keyboard that, like, had blisters. That's the one that's keeping me up at night. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so what we're going to do here is just kind of like quickly touch on a few of the things that we saw over the past few weeks. And kind of not really get into all of them specifically, but... Um, You know, acknowledge, bear witness, um, say that we're monitoring, all that kind of stuff. And so, Laura, perhaps you can provide a dichotomy on whether the following things are good or bad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would love to. Um,
0: So the first thing we've got here is uh, a little... Donna Bray up Donna what, Bray. Yeah, what yeah. Did we get there? you
1: might know this name. Um, she is one of the one of the publishers of the eponymous Bulzer and Bray. Yeah, um, very very famous for. I mean, doing lots of lots of great books, but. Um, she also signed Angie Thomas for The Hate You Give yeah. and subsequent books. Yeah. Um, so there was a former assistant, an editorial assistant, who had since left the industry. And there was, you know, a good conversation as as there is every couple of months about um overwork and underpay specifically amongst assistants um, more frequently by the and, way which I mean, is great fr- that we're seeing yeah. these things yeah so, so there yeah. there were a couple of people who were talking about how when asking a couple of women specifically specifically also women of color um were talking about when they asked for a raise or asked for more money a superior would make a joke about how like maybe they'll just like you know Marry a rich husband or something, <laughs> um, which I mean, like, don't we all aspire to do that? But more importantly, that has nothing to do with what you should be paid or what you're worth at work. Right. Um. So then there was somebody who made a joke about how, um, how essentially a lot of a lot of the higher ups, a lot of white women specifically, won't point at this. They they don't quite get it because. It's kind of the the your finance husband buying you food mm. is perhaps a little bit more of the reality for when they were coming up, and Donna Bray got mad about that, um, which is a classic. No, don't do that. Like,
0: <laughs> well, it's just one of those things. And like, yeah. I I looked at this, and I you know there was sort of basically the end here is that there was a little bit of a back and forth, a little bit of a scuffle, kind of the predictable talking points on both sides that you would see, um, and like, it just felt the reason it felt kind of evocative to me is because it's a big structural problem yeah. the thing that you know that pe- both people are pointing at and it ends up manifesting itself in very absurd strange lines i mean this was you know the product of a joke that someone took a little bit of offense to like it's like i see these things happen and yeah it's like sometimes you know we can talk about them as being um like these like real like hard and fast like battle lines on this ideological divide but i don't even know if that's what they are to me it feels more like there's just this giant entrenched structural situation and everybody is, like, sitting in their own particular position with it and it just leads to these weird points of friction every now and then. And so, like, it's you see this stuff kind of flare up and, um, I don't know, it's just...
1: To be I, clear, Donna Bray wasn't uh, saying like none of this is a factor. No, she, she was saying f- I'm yeah. offended by this because yeah. this was not my reality. Well, yeah. I mean, which a, draws yeah. I mean, it, it draws an important point that like somebody's individual reality and the structural realities of an entire industry um are not the same thing.
0: Right. I mean it's it's not the same and thing. That, that's kind of what I mean too, is like these we can discuss Systemic problems, where we can discuss individual experience, and I think it's just key to like Separate thread the them. line, you know, thread the line between the two as appropriate, and make sure which I don't is know, something like, that
1: didn't happen here. No, not it, everybody was reasonable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure, it's just you just see this stuff, and it's like there's infinite amounts of these. Not all of them involve notable publishing people, but there's infinite. Um, you know, these conversations happen all the time, right? And they feel to me they always feel missing because you're never going to get anywhere discussing things on that level and it's just you know anyway it just felt kind of particularly evocative of a pattern you know yeah are you ready to tell the for the next thing that you can tell me if it's good or bad
1: i am wait Um, so like let's go back to this the discussion good the emotional responses to individual experiences and not the overall Uh like industry-wide kind of truth bad
0: yeah okay Um, so that's that's a pretty nuanced answer to good or bad, Laura, I'm going to need you to reduce that to (laughs) one more answer for this this next one. And that is YA books on Spotify.
1: YA books on Spotify.
0: Bad. Ooh, wow. I was going to say, well, I guess according to my own rules, I would have to just simply also say bad. Um, (laughs) Though, I mean, really, the real answer here is that it's pending. I mean, someone sent us an article about how... um, Spotify is now is starting to kind of grow a library of YA books, and of course, as with any of these new um, technologies or ways to get books, the answer is always rights, right? Like, just make sure. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you know, we haven't looked into this one. You know, too particularly. It's obviously very interesting, though. I would say, it's, yeah, the structure of that would have to be very. um, I'm just thinking of how to like incorporate books into like a streaming service, right? Because like usually this stuff works for like podcasts and songs because you're paying for some, you know, like podcasts on these sites are free, right? Like you can listen for free. Right. You can, you know, do all these things. And and the idea is that, you know, you or you can like pay a subscription service that lets you have unlimited access to certain things. And it will be interesting to see how books – because to be clear, I think that this kind of integration with books is really cool. Like we want – this stuff to happen, I think. It's just it needs to happen in a way with our usual caveat that protects author rights, that protects Yeah. That I'm
1: guessing it's and gonna it's gonna work in a very similar way as Audible. Yeah. Um yeah. or like Netflix, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like and I don't know if it's that a certain like that books get the authors get paid a certain amount depending on how many times it's read, or if it's more of like Spotify Is licensing these works to be included in their streaming platform. So those are kind of like two different things, but I will have to admit. Eric, that was a very, like, nuanced concern. I know. And my main concern about the YA books on Spotify is that, like, we just looked, and I don't think that we're on Spotify. <laughs>
0: to pr- so to prepare to prepare for this segment, we, like, said, oh, I wonder if we're on Spotify. And, Reader, we are not. You know what? Um, so it's we're something get that I can fi-
1: fix in, like, two minutes. We're going to get that still. fixed
0: real quick, folks. Stand but by. bad
1: until we're on Spotify, <laughs> and then it'll be good, okay?
0: Um, this is a... Incredibly high effort podcast. Um, <laughs> pl-
1: <laughs> to be fair, like Spotify wasn't that big when we started, and I don't think I like submitted the RSS like yeah, feed to fine. this spot. Yeah, we're sorry. gonna have it's my fault. A little
0: peek behind the curtain, folks. Yeah, uh, we're having a whole production meeting right now. Um, next one, are you ready? Yes. This is one I'm very excited about. Okay. Um, the novel deletion app is what I'm calling it here, and I'm going to read you. So let me okay, let me read to you the thing. Um, this is an article in the A.V. Club, um, and here we go, and this is a sentence that just makes me cackle every time I read it. Anti-procrastination app will delete your brilliant novel if you stop typing for five minutes. Whoo! Uh, uh.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to go and say bad. No, no,
0: no, I think it's good. I think it's bad. Um, so basically here the, the idea is um, you've got this, um, this app that you type your, you know, it's like a word processor, right? But if you leave it blank enough, ostensibly because you are... You know, you're logged on, you're thinking. checking Twitter, you're reading something. <laughs> no, 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 no thinking. There's no thinking in writing, Laura. <laughs> um, it's, if you leave it sit long enough, it starts to delete your work as sort of a, like a prod to not, like, tab over to the internet is, like, the idea here, um, which is hilarious to me on the one hand. And it's, like, obviously... <laughs> as
1: somebody who's been working on his book for seven years. Yeah, I
0: know. It should, should have deleted the whole thing. And perhaps me, too. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's... Um, well, the thing that kind of it feels poignant to me here is, like, it's the same sort of cycle where, you know, capitalism creates a problem and then creates the solution to the problem, too, you know, <laughs> like, and sells you both. Like, you know, we're all addled on the internet, and so, like, what that, because of these technologies and all this kind of stuff, and then, like, what happens is then we get more technology to fix our problem with the first, you know what I mean? Like, it's sort of this loop, right? But, I don't know, I'm amused by the idea of, um I guess like the idea is to re- you know the article here says it's meant to like rebuild the habit of mm. focus right like you have to know that you can't tab away you have to stay focused on the page and that's I think that that idea is good and obviously I don't think anyone is going to use this as their their true word process you know what I mean like I don't I don't think people are writing their novels in this kind of thing and I it's but for I,
1: when they're writing a scene Yeah
0: it's like when if you just want a little bit of a sharp stick to hit you while you work and if you're me I like that kind of stuff so it's weird it's kind of gimmicky but I do think that there it does kind of speak to something interesting as strange as it is.
1: Yeah I guess I could see it working for some people and and, you know in the same way that like the Pomodoro timer does or like the blackout thing so it doesn't let you go on any part of the internet or you know that sort of thing. Um, I will say though that Print Run as a podcast our party line is that Writing happens outside of, like, putting words on your, like, into your mm-hmm. Joyce Carol Oates, like, terrifying <laughs> keyboard. Yep. Um, A lot of thinking is considered by us to be writing. So, like, don't feel pressured to use this. <laughs> I Like, I just want to, like, hug the writer babies who are feeling anxious about this particular app. Don't use it. It's bad.
0: Hmm. Well, well, thank you for the declarative answer of this good versus bad segment. You're Um, welcome. I'm working
1: on it. I'm getting better.
0: Okay, so next one, quick. Um, Margaret Atwood and Amazon's failure to embargo.
1: Ooh, so first of all. This one we can just
0: like straightforwardly.
1: This one's bad. Yeah, we can just say that. This (laughs) one's real bad. This one's real bad. Okay, so. Um, I would like to first call everyone's attention back to our episode after the London Book Fair. Yeah. When we talked about there was this very strange commotion where there were women walking around, like, protesting. And what they were really doing is that they they were staging a false protest so that they were... um, Building attention and like giving swag to people, like buttons and lanyards for the mm-hmm. testaments, which is yeah. this Margaret Atwood book. Yeah. So there were a bunch of women just like running around this gigantic professional, like, mm-hmm. hall, mm-hmm. um, hollering about this book. So that was that, like, that reminded me, um, quite a bit. So Moving, moving back to today. I just mm-hmm. wanted to throw us down memory yeah, yeah, yeah. alley for a right, second. Yeah. But moving back to this past week. Mm-hmm. So the um, you're listening to this podcast on if you're listening to it on the 10th, this is the day that this book releases. A full week ago, Amazon shipped a bunch of pre-orders to individual people. Oh. Um, so it's worth talking about an embargo.
0: So an embargo basically means – I mean the premise here is secrecy, right? The premise here is that you don't want people getting – like literally the idea here, and this is why this particular story is funny, is the idea is to not give anyone early – Access or to not give pub- early public access, right? Like, so an embargo is like booksellers can't open the boxes. You know, no one can access the copies. Everyone has to wait, right? There's no looking at the book early. There's no any of this. Like they
1: sign legal, right? The like, idea yeah. is to
0: keep things under wraps until the Midnight, appointed day, yeah. so that there's not. They can kind of control coverage as they see fit. This is the sort of thing that usually happens with. I mean, I guess like a book like Margaret Atwood's, where it's like, you know, she's obviously. A name of a certain stature like this right but it's you... why it
1: happened with all of the like harry potter and yeah. like twilight book yeah. release parties it's at huge. midnight
0: it's a thing you do with huge books it's a thing you do with books that are have particularly sensitive information like if you've got like a political tell-all you'll kind of see embargoes and that sort of thing happen but what happened here is
1: amazon just amazon sent it shipped out
0: shipped the copies anyway and so the embargo got broken in that way and i think like You know, a lot of people were talking about, um, oh, Amazon did this pernicious thing, right? Like, they they were um, somehow actively trying to sabotage something. And, like, for me, that isn't it. For me, it's just that there's just no care involved. Like, they're just, like, Mm. asleep at the wheel a lot of the time with this stuff. Like, it's just like this, you know, there's no actual... I'm they don't to, care because I'm they're sh- so big they're not going mean, to get like any that. I'm trying to figure out how, how to even do express it. Like this feels like a a thing that happens, a bad thing that happens um, when there's just no, like there's just no care being put in. And we, you know, we've talked about Amazon stuff with like counter, the whole counterfeit industry, you know, now mm-hmm. like there's just stuff happening on Amazon <laughs> that they claim to have no ability to regulate or control. And this feels like another, and this is a particularly flagrant example of that sort of thing popping up. I've actually and,
1: gone full conspiracy theory. Oh, nice. We This particular, that, we love this that. particular this is event. the point. So I... So this... The news of the Amazon breaking the embargo happened like two weeks after the Amazon captions yeah. kerfuffle happened. Oh, yeah. We've got yeah. an episode on it. Um, but basically the you know the big 5 publishers said hey amazon you can't like recreate print captions for the audiobooks because you don't have the rights for that mm. um and then like a week later the biggest embargo we've had in a couple of years is broken by amazon and you know there isn't really any consequences Um, I've also gone total, like, full conspiracy theory because, um, (laughs) I can't
0: wait. I'm so excited for the (laughs) conspiracy theory.
1: Well, just, just because, like, I can, I see it as, like, a gigantic, like, fuck you, we have the power, we're turning all of this attention so that most of our sales for this book goes through us. Because what happens is when you see people got it early, they're going to buy it at the same place where Mm -hmm. those people got it. Um... So anyway, I find it to be something that <laughs> that is um, a lot more malicious and not just like malicious by default. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, you that think is, that
0: something happened. I think, think that somebody like,
1: was like, we're going to. There's we're trick wishery. Yeah. There's, tomfoolery. There's tomfoolery. Shenanigans. The shenanigans. Yeah. Yes. Huh. That's what I think. And it's especially shenanigans because it broke not too long after um, the Booker Award shortlist came out. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there was that article about how the Testaments is included on there, even though the book isn't out. And there mm-hmm. weren't any advanced reader copies. Mm-hmm. There weren't any galleys. And there there were, like, five couriers sent to the literal ends of the planet <laughs> <laughs> to, like, go deliver a single copy that was, like, watermarked mm-hmm. and, like, yep. with the person's name on it. And yep. it was, like, very, very high profile.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, like, Amazon just sent strategy. it
1: out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. I'm buying in. Yeah. I'm buying into the theory.
1: Yeah. So, next, next thing that I we I would have. like for you
0: to ask me this thing because I feel like I'm kind of the one with the the take the very lucid opinion on whether this is good or bad so
1: you've got the conspiracy theory on this one yeah sarah huckabee <clears throat> sanders got a book deal
0: wow that's that's really something um, is it good or bad eric <laughs> well laura it's bad um for obviously a number of reasons we have talked about probably at this point ad nauseum on this show uh sarah huckabee sanders in case you're living under a rock. Um, is the former press secretary uh, for the White House. And I don't know. I guess I'm frustrated by it in my... Obviously, for reasons we could talk about at length and already have. But here, it's just like it's one more instance of someone who very clearly has, like, helped and collaborated in producing harm to a lot of people um, being given a chance to... Use a major public like this is St. Martin's. Yeah, you know, this is not like the.
1: It's amazing that it's not Simon and Schuster. I know,
0: like it's it, this is a, um, you know, I mean, this is a major press. I mean, the, you know, the publisher of St. Martin's signed this book. Like they, and it's just an example of you know this this sort of person being able to use um, major publishing as a way to launder themselves back into polite society. Right, is the phrase I think I used online. Like if you. You know, we're going to get the sort of cover that's very sympathetic. It's going to be glossed. It's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be a story that lets her, you know, sort of uncritically talk about all the things, you know, the story is she'd like to spin it and all this sort of stuff. And it just, I mean, even apart from all that, it's again, an instance of this is where the money in publishing is like when people Mm -hmm. say, you know, there's no money in publishing, there's no money for debut authors like, no, that's actually not true. It's just you're not the kind of debut author they're looking for. They're looking for Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just, I don't know. I'm incred- I mean, I'm incredibly frustrated by this sort of thing. I mean, but it's just one more in a long string of things that, um, I don't know, I've just about, I've had enough of this kind of thing. I mean, it's it feels like it's going to happen. You know, we made a prediction early on that every single one of these Trump ghouls was going to
1: get a book deal. eventually
0: get a book deal that they would use to, I mean, what, like Sean Spicer was, is on Dancing with the Stars this season. You know you know what I mean? Like, these people are back into the culture. Like, they're now just, like, regular celebs. And part of that process, part of, like, like, the reason the, the public no longer hates Sean Spicer in that way, when we all... Used to right, like you all remember how much we disliked that man. Um, Part of the reason they're able to do that is because of things like book deals and you know making appearances on their own terms without someone holding them to account, like all that kind of stuff. And so this just feels like part of that. It's frustrating. Um, And don't buy the book. Don't of course don't buy the don't buy the damn book. But the thing (laughs) of it is, like people are going to buy the book. It's going to get reviewed. It's going to be torn up. It's going to be one of those things where people like, every kind of cool publication is going to run, like, a review of it that trashes it, and that'll be fine and funny for clicks and stuff, but it's also just, like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not... Break into the St.
1: Martin's Warehouse (laughs) and steal the book, and then do that, because don't, like, don't steal it from bookstores, but, like, yeah, or Amazon's Warehouse. Do that. Yeah. Do that. Um, (laughs) Anyway,
0: um, Print Run does not endorse any criminal behavior. Um, So, Apart from that, little disclaimer, Laura. Yeah. Um let's see, do we have we've we have got, one more here? We've yet. got
1: one two more, actually. We've got oh, two we more. It, well the one so, the last
0: one I was kind of treating as a you know as a separate, separate thing. thing. Well,
1: so this is this is not really like a topic. It's just more of like a funny, a funny, a funny thing that happened. Yeah. Um Harper Collins, which is the big five publisher that has a union. The only uh, one. The only one. Uh their workers had to go to a workshop this past week. Um on how to invest all that extra money that they're not making.
0: So, like <laughs> so be- let me read you the tweets <laughs> from HarperCollins Union. And they are you should follow them. They're HCP Union I'm on Twitter. Um so here we go. Following the laughable investing workshop that Harper Management gave today, let's go over the actual best and fastest ways to improve your financial prospects. And then it lists three options that it does not select, and it's got – that I assume came up in this meeting. Yeah. And we've got buy fewer lattes, get a part-time job, and don't go on vacation. Um, And then the actual answer they give here is, of course, sign a union card, which is the correct answer. Um, But it does – like the reason the tweet is funny is because it does sort of suggest – and like this next one here too – you know, they say, with so much discussion this week about the garbage state of publishing salaries, bringing in a man unfamiliar with the situation whose solutions are, quote, ask for a raise and, quote, get a second job to advise junior employees seems tone deaf at best and insulting at worst. Ooh. And that actually is um, – because you see this kind of logic come up a lot, right, where, like, the number you – know, the reason um, – this is like the avocado the avocado toast thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the reason that – um you know, millennials or you know, young people in publishing are struggling is not because they're being paid unfair. It's not because rent is too high. It's not because of all these giant things that because
1: they're eating avocado toast. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's because they're doing things like buying lattes and they don't have it like. And even some of these things that people present to you as reasonable alternatives, right? Like get a get a second job. I mean, think about. I mean, just the sheer hours that go into, especially an entry-level publishing job, like the reading and stuff, like you are constantly working, like the idea that it should also be expected that you would get a second job or that you would um, not be, that you don't have the money to, you know, buy a cup of coffee. Like, that's the sort of chiding that comes in place of actually grappling with the actual issue at hand. And I would agree that it does feel... Um, you know, if not directly and intentionally insulting, it can feel very, um, you know, condescending. You know, in its own backhanded way, and because it sort of suggests actually the problem is you. And of course, you know, everyone has to own their own choices and stuff. But like, that's not what this is. Like, the reason people in publishing can't stay in it because they don't have any money is not because they're buying coffee too much, right? Like, it's, it's because, because they're making
1: twenty eight thousand dollars in New yeah, York City. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, and it's just. Yeah, I don't know. Like, they're, I, I think it's interesting when people kind of call this stuff out. It's like these little investment works. I remember we had one, you know, the place I worked. Like, the people come in and they – the idea is to – I think, well, I mean, really I think the idea is to, like, check this box that you have done something about financial literacy with your younger employees. But really, like, like the, the supposed idea is to help you make your tiny little salary go farther. And so basically they sit you down – and they just tell you about how to invest money you don't have, how to, <laughs> like, somehow pay your rent by not, you know, buying coffee a few times a week. You know, like, it's just, it's it's absurd. And if you when we describe it aloud like this, it is a, it sounds absurd. And it's the sort of conversation that too often comes in place of actual information, like an actual, like, grappling with the situation. And so um, good on them for making a few very light jokes yeah. about it online. and But that workshop, um, bad. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Tweets good. Um, workshop bad. Workshop bad. So, oh, well, we've kind of arrived at the moment.
1: We have arrived well, at the ready? last thing. Um, we are, I am ready.
0: So you may have seen over the last week or so, uh, Laura and I, and I guess the Print Run account too, we sort of announced um, on the heels of our former company announcing a former is kind of the operative point here um, Laura and I have been agents the last few years at Red Sofa Literary a very nice little boutique agency here in the Twin Cities um, but that is no longer the case no longer uh, the we case we do not work there anymore and um, as you may have seen the reason for that is because um, we have decided to launch our own agency
1: <laughs> wow I just knocked that right off the table <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're not redoing that. We're leaving that in. No, we're leaving um, it. I was not, so excited. Yeah, she, so she hit the gong hard enough that it fell off the table. But hopefully that <laughs> is not a sign of things to come uh with the with the new venture here. But so yeah, I mean basically um and this is part of the reason, you know, Laura and I have been so busy over the past few months really. I mean, we've been working how long have we been working on specifically this thing? I mean, it feels like over a, year. a year. Yeah, like we've been um you know, putting ourselves, you know, trying to get this all set up, trying to get Obviously, agency infrastructure set up. We've been trying to get clients switched over, all the the things that go into it. Um, but we're there. And today, I mean, if this goes up on, we're recording on a Sunday. If this goes up on Tuesday, the tenth, um, we're open for you, business. You like, you can reach us, and we are. Uh, would you like to tell us? Would you like to tell the good people the name?
1: Oh yeah. So our name is now Headwater Literary Management.
0: Yeah. Um, which.
1: Don't worry, our logo is still a loon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is the funny part. Yeah, like you can go see us, I and mean, we've got this like sort of classy lo- loon. Yeah, it's like an adult loon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess like it's hard to even know what to say here about it because you know this show. I think for me has you, know, you and I sit down here every week or like every two weeks when we're when we're really busy. And, you know, we've been talking through ideas, right? We've been talking through um, problems. I mean, really, like, I think a lot of people, you know, respond to the show and say, man, I like what you guys do, but you're so negative, which is an interesting, like, it's an interesting response because I don't think it's us that is negative. I think it's the, <laughs> the industry itself in a lot of ways can be kind of tricky, but um, it feels like the common denominator at the end of all these stories is like, well, we need something else, right? Like, we need to re-envision some of these things we need to think about what it means to be a writer a little bit differently and we need to be able to do it in a way that sort of rejects some of the old wisdom you know tries at least to do something radical or different and if it almost feels like you know we gathered enough of that into our own thoughts and in notebooks and all this stuff that it was like you know, let's just, let's just do the thing. Let's just make the thing that we want to see. And
1: the thing that we keep brainstorming and talking about and refining. Yeah.
0: And so in so many ways, you know, Headwater as an agency, and again, it's crazy to be talking about it out loud. Like, I don't think I've talked about it with anybody, but you out loud, you know, in who knows how long, you know, like it's, um, it's crazy that, that we're here and, I am incredibly excited to be to get started. And like, we're going to be hitting the ground running, right? Like, I mean, we um, brought over our clients, like, we brought over, um, you know, we've already got, we're already kind of set up, you know what I mean? Like, we're sort of up and running. Like, you can query me right now at, you know, the new place. And it's, I don't know, it just feels like um, a chance to do things on our own terms, you know, and really kind of give this thing a shot, try to make something that kind of reflects the, you know, our actual attitudes toward mm-hmm. publishing, you know, like our actual, like, you know, we if we can steer it, you know, maybe we can make something that feels to us true to the vision that we talk, you know, basically, it's like trying to put our money where our mouth is, right? <laughs> like trying to actually do the things, you know, that we talk about. And I am incredibly excited to try. I'm incredibly grateful to everyone who has supported this show and helped this. you know, tease out these ideas and listen to us and you know engaged with us in the ways that you have like this agency I think really is a direct um outpouring of the body of thought that we've kind of worked through here and it's just I don't know I mean it's it's so vast in my head to even um know where to begin like I don't have like I don't have a list of bullet points of things I want to talk about with this thing because it's just it's here we're doing it and we're just gonna get moving you know yeah
1: I think um I think the reason that we're having a little bit of trouble articulating is because the way that we see this agency is like fundamentally an organization that responds and adapts to the way that the world uses writers and the way that the world needs writers And so like if we if we're building this right, if we're it's not like we're building it and we're letting it go the same way I built, you know, the print run RSS feeds and like didn't send it to Spotify. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. you know, like the idea is that because of the show and because of the the changes we've seen and because of the conversations, we've really distilled down, like the idea is is that we can constantly adapt. And it is our goal at Headwater to really like Not just work with our authors a little bit differently, a little bit more holistically, really focusing on larger platform rather than just books, focusing on, you know, idea and development. Um, But more than that, it's it's really like I think we will have in 20 years, 50 years, looked back on this particular endeavor and said, you know, like if we can change at least one part of the industry to reevaluate and then revalue yeah. like the art that these people are making. Yeah. And if we can sort of push authors rights into the forefront and money into the forefront and all of all of these issues that we always talk about on Print Run if we can show people another way another way that this can work
0: or just do it for and just do it for the specific people we work with you know like i don't know that i have like illusions of you know quote-unquote changing the industry you know <laughs> what i mean but i do think that we can change things for the people we work with a which little bit which is changing you know what I mean? the industry like we, impact yeah it, it doesn't
1: need to change the whole thing i think
0: yeah no absolutely i agree with that and it's just like you know to your point about um you know 20 years down the line however many the reason i think it is you know, not insane to try, you know, like, visualize that sort of thing is, like, publishing is really hard, you know, like, you and I have both, and basically anyone else in this field has worked some pretty tough jobs, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we've been treated, um, you know, well and unfairly at different spots, and, I mean, everyone has, right, like, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's just not a field that, I mean, it's the theme of the show. It's it's not a field that treats its workers all that well. You know what I mean? And so, like, the chance to, like, just kind of take control of that a little bit and yeah. just say, you know what? We're going to be able to kind of carve out a spot in this on our own terms, do it our way. And that might mean that we're, you know, obviously this is an agency that is currently consists of you and me. You know Woo! what I mean? Like, it's, you know, we're not big. We're not, you know, we're not in New York. You know, we're not all these things. But, like we can be, it's a model that lets us be us, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that that is, you know, that's really rare, and we're really grateful for that, and I'm excited to kind of give it a go and just see where we can get, because um, at the end of the day, you and I, like, and this is true, I think, and this often gets leveraged against people who work in publishing, right? like, they really love the thing, Mm -hmm. right? You love the books, you love the writing, you love working with authors, like, All this stuff, like, I love it, love it. And the chance to kind of be able to do that on, you know, the terms that I like, you know, be able to kind of do, you know, steer the boat in the manner that I, you know, think is right, that feels, um, that's a really rare chance, and I'm incredibly excited about it. And I, um, I think it'll be really fun to see how the agency grows, you know, now that it's you know, what a few hours old at this point, <laughs> you know, how the show, like we have no, just to be to- totally clear, like the show goes on, like we're going to keep doing, you know, print run. We're going to keep doing all this stuff. Like we have no, we're not going anywhere. And in fact, like we have a lot of ideas for how to flesh all this stuff out and just see what we can make, you know? And, um, Thanks for being along for the ride with us. We would not be here if people were not interested in yeah. the content. And so. it's
1: worth it's worth mentioning that, well, Print Run provided us a place to workshop ideas and really distill our vision into, like, the type of agency that we want to be. Um, Print Run has also given us, just full stop, the ability to do this. Like, if we didn't have you listening and you supporting us – we would just be like two young agents at, you know, a small literary agency. And because we you engage with us and because you are adding us all of these news articles and because we are able to have ongoing conversations with all of you. We're yep. able we're really able to do this and, you know, we're we're young agents and I feel like this is the perfect time to do this not because i mean we we definitely have experience but not because we're we're industry veterans but because we're young enough that we are not entrenched in our in our thoughts and our way of working and so that that access paired with that sort of new point of view is is here entirely because of all of you so yeah. we wanted to say thank you for that
0: absolutely yeah um, but this is, you know, starting to feel like the end of a period, whereas <laughs> this is the beginning of something new where nothing is going away. Everything is just going to get, um, you know, bigger, bigger. Exactly. So um,
1: let's then, <laughs> instead of ending it on this note, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's keep going. Uh-huh. Let's do a Taloon It May Concern, Eric. Please. Okay. Luna, It May Concern. I joined a group of querying authors last year. Since then, many of us have signed with agents and begun begun the sub-process. It's been the most educational experience of my writing career to see other people at similar levels of ambition and dedication progress. It's also given us all a whole new insight about agents since we discuss calls and share emails. No emails, including this one, are sent to agents without a group sign-off. I've seen many writers agonize over every word of their query to make sure it's friendly, but not too familiar, interesting, but approachable, appropriately paced, professional, and as perfect as they can possibly make it. And very often, subjectivity means that these queries that writers have labored long over are ignored. We hear that agents simply have too much work to do and we get it. We have day jobs and families and dogs and lots and lots of responsibilities, too. Recently, I saw that another troll mass emailed agents with a ridiculous, attention-craving joke of a query, and lots of agents on Twitter are talking about it. I get that agents have lives and should be allowed to connect over workplace drama, but some of these agents are ones who claim that they simply have no time to respond to the queries of people who have actually made a substantial effort. Within our query... Group, We quietly take note of things like this, but the power imbalance between agents and authors means that most authors have the incentive to comment and agree with agents who post about drama in their query box, which means the tweets continue and more queries are ignored. And this isn't about one instance. Little mini bursts of outrage seem to happen every week. I think we can all agree that though we're all working hard for free here, there's a big power imbalance, and I hope you can see how authors never get a reply who never get a reply would feel defeated when they see tweets like these. So here's my question. What, if anything, is being done in the agenting world to ensure that querying authors are treated respectfully on social media? Do individual agencies have policies, or is there just a discretion of individual agents? I feel like when I've heard the issue raised in the past, I always hear that agents have to laugh about these things or else we'll go crazy, and also we're real people. But that doesn't really address the issue, since authors are also real people, and there are lots of businesses where we can spill tea privately without letting letting our clients and potential clients get splashed. Truly, my entire query group is generally curious to hear about agents on Twitter, how agents on Twitter ensure that they are responsible with their power. And then it's signed with a bunch of people. And I'm going to read these because I like them. (laughs) Sincerely, Tormented in the Trenches, Punched Down Penny, Rule Follower in Rhode Island, Salty in Seattle, Snarky in San Fran, Don't Feed the Trolls in Dallas, and all of the other members of this query group who are too tired from triple checking all of the guidelines and writing beautiful queries to think of any fun sign-off names.
0: I really like this letter.
1: I know. I picked it for you. Um,
0: Because I think that it's just so, it's an interesting conversation here because I think this person honestly is exactly right in that there is, the one thing, the the thing that I like best about what's in here is the idea of a power imbalance, right? It's like the idea, and I see this a lot with the way agents can, you know, post about their, you know, queries in kind of a dismissive way. Even as they're doing that, there is sort of a, sort of an ingrained incentive to like agree with them or cheer them on. And I feel like sometimes like, you know, I have expressed many times before that I don't really like the idea. Like the, I wasn't on Twitter before being an agent, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I don't like the idea of like performing, answering my emails. Like, I think that's very strange. Um, And so like, I don't know. I mean, to specifically to answer this question, I mean, we can talk about the situation in general, but like this person has asked what is being done to ensure that, you know, writers are being treated respectfully in social media with regard to query letters. Um, I mean, I don't know of any, you know, I mean, we didn't have, you know, Red Sofa didn't really have a, like a list of policies. I mean, the idea was to like, you know, we were all kind of, you know, be respectful. I mean, in kind of a general sense, right? Like, I think that, um, but I don't know if there's like a systemic there are systemic guardrails in place for what's being discussed Mm -hmm. here. And I think it's because it's a little bit slippery, right? Because on the one hand, there is, um, you know, it is true that sometimes we get things that are absurd or especially like, you know, if you're someone who is, you know, a woman or a person of color answering their inbox, like you get things that are pretty wildly disrespectful. And there are times where it's like, you know what? It probably is fair to blast that a little bit. If you're responsible to like remove the name and stuff like, sometimes you get to do that i think you're within your rights but what she, what this person's talking about actually is like just this general pervading sense that agents get to claim on the one hand simultaneously that they are too busy to answer everything but also get to like do this for as long as they please you know <laughs> and and i do get that frustration and i do think that that's real um seeing that unfold and it makes you know it would make me frustrated too as a writer and maybe when I start my own querying process I'll be mad about this as well more than I currently am but it's I don't know I mean what do you think so Uh,
1: I a couple of things yeah um I feel like there's nuance that very often gets kind of left on the floor or like intention that kind of gets left on the floor in specific social media posts. So like I received this like mass query and to give a little bit of background, like this guy was auctioning off his query letter, but each word you would pay a hundred dollars. And at the end of the query, whoever had like paid him the most money gets the idea and then they get to hire a ghostwriter. And so like, to me, like, I did a tweet about it, about how he just, like, keeps emailing everybody yeah. in the thread. Um, yeah. But to me, like, that points a lot towards, like, this dude is so off base from what, like, how to actually, like, do work in this business. Like, to me, I always like to point that towards the the idea where if you just follow the rules, you're already better than like 75% of the people who like come into my inbox. Like you've already done more work and like that is valued. And I think that that's kind of where a lot of agents, like what they probably think that they're implying and they're definitely not. Um, So I had, I had some experiences um, when I, when I was very young in publishing and I would get some like ridiculous, bad, books and i would you know like they're funny right like there are some books that are just like so bad and we're talking about
0: we're talking about bad like one thing that i do want to clarify here that you mean because i think this is sort of what the the writer is like referring to is like it's not just like bad as in poor quality it's bad as in like flagrantly disrespectful in some way you know offensive in a in a way that is irresponsible to send to someone. You know what I mean? Like we're not talking about like I didn't like that. I'm talking yeah, from a position it, of
1: somebody who's been sent nudes twice. Yeah, like that in kind queries. Of
0: yeah. We're, so yeah.
1: yeah. So anyway, so like there are some that are like so bad that you just like have to talk about it, right? Um, but one of the things that was pointed out to me when I was a very, very young agent is that they're like in joking about, like, the idea or anything like that, um, you know, posting a specific, like, snapshot of something ridiculous. Like, one thing that was pointed out to me is that, like, that is fundamentally, like, disrespectful for, to the process, right? Like, it is it is it is disrespectful to have, you know, like, somebody who did all of this work and is theoretically going through the proper channels, like the nudes that I received both times were like proper queries, you know, it was just like somebody sent me, you know, dick pics. Um, but like fundamentally that, that power balance was, was pointed out to me. And so I think, um, like it's, it's been my goal with like 500 queries, for example, where I do one tweet for every query that I get on there to like make them as, um, to make them as anonymous as possible to make it very clear that any sort of like meh reaction or like, I don't like, like that it's, that it's very much of a personal, a personal thing and never kind of like making fun of any author except for like Sarah Huckabee Sanders and like Joyce Carol Oates. (laughs) But, (laughs) um, but I think like the big, the big thing is as agents we're overworked, but we're kind of given this, this power dynamic and the superiority as kind of like a, a consolation prize and the way Uh, people treat us in a lot of instances. Like if we go to a conference, like people treat us like rock stars and it's really, really easy to forget that agents as our job are in service to the writers. That's
0: what I mean. Like in general, like that I think on a broad scale, like that feels really warped. To me. Yeah, like, it's I don't, incredibly me, I think that it is bizarre on it, like as a general like premise, like if you described, hey, the people who are the most visible in publishing, the people who do the most kind of public posturing, the people who do the most like brand building in an online kind of public facing way are agents that like that is absurd to me, like as just like an idea. If you were to describe, you know, how publishing worked and like there is one line in here that I want to highlight that I think that. Is really strong, you know, Mm -hmm. as like an elucidation of you know the situation. And they, you know, they say here, um, let's see, um, agents have to, you know, there's quoting, you know, agent logic here. Agents have to laugh about these things, or else we'll go crazy. And also, we're real people, but that doesn't really address the issue, since authors are also real people, and there are lots of businesses where we can spill tea privately without letting our clients and potential clients get splashed. So that i think is i think that is a 100 percent valid criticism um because like and i think that for better or worse sometimes publishing likes to pretend that it is something other than just an industry you know what i mean like we've talked all the and time it's pretending
1: how, that the authors aren't the thing that keeps going yeah
0: exactly like it and it also you know there are plenty of instances where you know i think we've said if publishing would just look at itself as a workforce as opposed to people pursuing a magical journey of books and creativity, um, a lot of problems would get better pretty quick. And yeah. this is this is the flip side of that, where it's like if you envisioned all this stuff as a as a workforce, you would also realize that this is no way to talk about potential clients. Like this is not behavior that would fly in any other industry. Like I mean, this author is correct about uh, this writer of this email is is correct in that regard. And so, like, to answer the question, um, I guess because I have not seen or heard of, like, a big systemic, th- systemic like, and if people have one, you know, if other agents are listening to this and they know of one, um, write it and let us know and we'll, we'll you know, we'll send it out. We'll kind of talk about it. But right. um, for me, personally, like, my rule is that I wouldn't want anyone to, like, I'm trying to figure out how to even put it. I don't want people to feel like you know that one of the names that they use here is "punch down penny mm-hmm. the punching down idea is the one that i get the most antsy about like i think that that's maybe like the one rule i have for tweets yeah it's like don't do anything that might be perceived as taking whatever small modicum of public facing power that you have and use it as a way of generating anything other than like don't punch at vulnerable people and right. that in this situation that includes writers because they don't have the power even though like you're saying it actually is flipped because we you know they're the ones theoretically hiring us like it's kind of this weird dynamic they're the where, ones we
1: need yeah but structurally we're the ones with the power yeah um and so i think the big thing is like if you see an agent being kind of like shitty or snarky talking about their slush pile or their readers or something like that like what that does for me is it points fundamentally to a, a philosophy of their work that does not value the author in a way that perhaps the, the author should be valued
0: i think that it's,
1: and it's more complex it. than that but like i think i think the big thing is like if you see an agent like if you if you value you know having somebody who is actively working on resolving that power dynamic within your relationship with your agent, um, seeing tweets like this is probably a good indicator that that person is not going to be doing that work that you need. They're pro- they they can be an absolutely phenomenal agent, but I, I think that what it does is it points to that they're, they could be an absolutely phenomenal agent still kind of living and and perpetuating that sort of power imbalance even after you start working together.
0: And it's just like a yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And like remember that this is meant eventually to be a relationship. So if like if agents are tweeting things or saying things, posting things wherever it is you're seeing them do this stuff, it's not just online. Um like maybe that means you don't want to work with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this ends up being a long term relationship that involves you know, a lot of a lot of hard work on both people and a lot of hard work before anyone gets any money. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, um, you know, you can avoid those people. Obviously, you know, it's that's easier said than done. And I would also say that, like, optimistically, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people who, you know, kind of tweet about, you know, their slush pile and stuff are doing so from just kind of a space of not really having thought about it that much. Like, yeah. I think that I can think of many agents who do that who... I think most writers would be thrilled to be represented by who I think do a really good job and are really respectful in their client relationships. The problem is that they like this particular thing, it's just become the norm and it's become such an easy way to, you know, get engagement online that, um, but anyway, like it's tough to know how to answer this email because they're saying, what if anything, other than just like reflection. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, obviously you and I are, you know, launching something and I don't know that we've, like set a social media policy for ourselves. But we should. I, we should. But we I think that we both come at it organically from this sort of place that you know they're talking about. And um
1: Yeah, I think I think the the big thing is that there's a there's a difference between like being unresponsive and communicating how big your slush pile is and how overwhelming it is because you're like your priority is servicing your clients and then or, or like, is it just like to to gather sympathy and to kind of um, communicate that your slush pile is just kind of this thing that you have to do and you hate it, you know, and I think and I think that depending on how people talk about it, it, it could be com- communicating those other things like I love my slush pile. I find most of my authors through the slush pile. Um, am I absolutely horrible at getting through all my submissions because everybody is really, really gri- good like in their query writing to me? Yes. like I'm very far behind, but I'm very far behind because I'm excited and passionate about it. And so I think that those things can – like that, that sort of time and that responsiveness and that um, power dynamic can be very related to the same thing or it mm-hmm. can be very, very different. So all of that is to say – um thank you all for not sending us mass email query auctions Uh (laughs) um continue to query the appropriate way um because we definitely want to hear about your book and i would just like to thank all of you again for for supporting print run and for listening to this episode um we're in nashville right now but you know hop on twitter or send us an email and say hi um, and go over to headwaterliterary.com and read a little bit more about what we've been working on it's so weird to like tell people about it yeah. Um, but yeah anyway websites, websites live uh, we worked really hard on it um, we're really excited for you to see what it is so anyway thank you and we will see you for a regular episode next week
0: bye